ads don't fix a business. <laughs> ads don't make you money, right? right? Ads magnify a business. Mm -hmm. And that's it. If you have a poor product with a poor messaging angle mm -hmm. and you're having a hard time selling it to your friends, it doesn't matter how expensive of a media buyer or how well produced your ad is or anything, all you're doing is magnifying that. I remember my partner at one point going, $100 million, like, well, you know, that's the goal, $100 million. Yeah, I don't know how I'm paying for rent. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Drew Carroll with Lead Zolo and Drew Flynn from Toronto to talk about the one marketing channel everyone is overlooking. Now, you guys know I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you'll become one. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button. Don't keep us a secret. That way we can all grow together. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So first question for you is, what was your life like right before you got into real estate? Right before I got into real estate. That's a good one. Uh, well, I was working as a media buyer mm -hmm. for a media company. We were uh, specifically working with course creators and influencers at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, my now business partner was running that company and mm -hmm. uh, kind of started at the ground floor. Yeah. So we got a lot of, lot of experience in that time running a lot of ads for a lot of big names, which is so, pretty cool. Influencer space. Mm. Uh, so there are some people that like to use the word guru, uh -huh. right? Are we talking about, is that what we're talking about here? I, I'm happy. I'm happy to draw the line and make the difference. But Please yes, do. absolutely. Sure. I think, I think this is a pretty interesting topic as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of gurus out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I call them gurus versus influencers because they're the people who are maybe not uh, influencing the right way. So mm -hmm. I would, I would classify an influencer as somebody who's influencing for the good. For example, right. you influence a lot of people in mm -hmm. sales and that's, a great thing. There are other people who don't have any sales um, experience, mm -hmm. but they're quite happy to regurgitate what you're saying and trying to build themselves into a guru. So right. Charlie Munger has a pretty cool uh, story about this. There was uh, a gentleman, Mr. Plank. He won a Nobel Prize in Germany mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. Um, for uh, what was it? Uh, physics of some sort. Yeah, physics of some sort. Yeah, metaphysics. Or yeah. Anyways. He, and so right at that time when you, when you win a Nobel Prize, you basically go on the tour, right? It's like doing mm -hmm. a podcast tour when mm -hmm. you have a book. Yeah. So he was driving around. He had a chauffeur, of course, and mm -hmm. he would go to all these events. So they had hundreds of these things. Mm -hmm. And so it literally got to a point where they're driving to one and the chauffeur turns and looks at him and goes, listen, I've heard your presentation so many times. Mm -hmm. He's like, let me give this one. He's like, right. I know it word for word. And he got up there and he crushed it, the whole thing, right down to the Q&A. <laughs> and then he got to the Q&A and somebody stands up and asks him some like, Crazy question, like outside of the scope of that, but, mm -hmm. it, but obviously related. And he, he was quick, he was quick-witted, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like, you know what? This is such a basic question that I'm going to have my chauffeur stand up here and answer <laughs> it. And so that's how he dealt with that. But it, it's a funny story. But to me, it really shows that like, this is what happens, right? Mm -hmm. People like to watch a lot of content and pretend that they know it mm -hmm. when they don't, right? Like I can, you can give me a sales script. Right. I'm still, it could be your sales script that you made millions of dollars with. I'm going to fall flat on my face, right. right? I'm not a sales guy. I'm not sales trained. I don't know the intricacies of it. I haven't gone through and experienced it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a, a visceral experience of it whatsoever. Right. So, and I think that to me, that's how I classify the two, right? Mm -hmm. You have these gurus or I call them fake gurus just because I don't like the word. So when yeah. I say guru, I mean it kind of maliciously. And it's sure. like, it's these people who are trying to prop themselves up on other people's content mm -hmm. without the, you know, without the actual experience, man. Like I want to see your bruises and scars. Yeah. That's, that's what tells me, you know, something. Well, that's where you get the mastery. You know, we talk about, there's yeah. the there's the knowing, you know, we talk about this actually in Kung Fu, you know, it's cool. like, there's like, there's the, you don't, you don't know anything. There's the awareness of it. 
Mm. And there's a part where your brain knows, but your body doesn't. Mm. And it's not until your body does what your mind knows that you've actually mastered the concept. So I could go and learn something in martial arts, but just because I know it doesn't mean I can apply it, especially under pressure. Mm. Right. And that's where you're talking about the visceral. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah, you just do this because you've done it so many times. You can actually contextualize it versus the, the theoretical. Right. Yeah. I so go ahead. Uh, another cool analogy kind of on that thought, right? Like, I don't fear the man that's learned 1,000 kicks, mm. but the man who's learned 1,000 times, right? right. Yeah. To have that experience in those chops. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you talk about the word guru. So guru has kind of gone back and forth. There's a positive mm. connotation, a negative mm. connotation. So growing up, it was a positive connotation. Once you got into social media, it was a very, very negative connotation. Yes. Um, Tony Robbins did a thing on Netflix. I'm not your guru. Yep. Was that the meaning behind that? What was the... So that's, that was my, what my personal take was. Just, mm -hmm. just seeing that title and watching that. Now, Tony was just trying to impress upon people that like, you don't need me to make a change in your life, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it was well done and it was, it was very Tony. Um, to me, like I took that as like, yeah, like people need to stop idolizing people. And mm -hmm. it's not like I, I totally like Tony's got his chops. I, I really respect <laughs> that man. Yeah. Um, but to me, that's what, it, that's what I felt when I heard, read that title, right? Mm -hmm. It was just like, yeah, you're damn right. You're, you're not a guru. And I appreciate that of him, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, he's a, he's a positive influence in the world. Yeah. He's not a guru. He's not just this talking head that's built by marketing. And, right. and maybe there's another distinction there. <laughs> okay, so you're helping buy media mm. for influencers. So what does buy media mean? Because sure. I think for a lot of people that uh, are maybe a little bit outside of the, the, um, the inner workings right. of a marketing company, Buying media like, yeah. could mean a hundred different things. What does that mean? Sure. So super simple. Run YouTube ads. Mm -hmm. Run Google PPC. Yeah. Run the Facebook ad side mm -hmm. of it. Um, so we have clients that come to us. They have a great product and a funnel, typically to a webinar mm -hmm. um, that they're doing really well with. And they would come to us for our experience, specifically in YouTube. Mm -hmm. This is really where we started, uh, where my partner started 10 years ago mm -hmm. with his agency. And so that's what they, they would come to us. We would help them script and make ads and basically run traffic to the top of their funnel. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we would consult with them on their funnels and whatnot as well. Uh, but that's, that's what I mean by media buying. And, and I appreciate the, asking the question because I've definitely gone on a rant and people kind of being lost with it. So yeah, specifically the people who are clicking the buttons inside of the ad accounts. Well, because if I think by media, it could come across as potentially, right? Uh, as like, I'm going to go buy this news station. Ha. Well, or that I'm would be a good that would be a good thing I, to do. I'm gonna go buy this anchor's perspective. Right. So, yeah, and I, or I, I, like lobbying, right? Sure. And, and I think that's where the term comes from, right? So, you know, Roland Fraser talks about this when when he he talks about like acquiring companies and mm -hmm. acquiring multiple companies. And if that's what you're trying to do, what you should be doing is acquire a, a central company mm -hmm. and then acquire a media outlet for it. Right. And so he would he would distinguish that between like buy a Facebook group would be mm -hmm. like. A media that could feed your main company, right? So when I when I say me, I'm digital marketing might be a better uh, phrase for it. So sure. running YouTube or Facebook, TikTok, and, and it is an interesting uh, term because you know, like I'm looking at if I wanted to get more eyeballs, yeah, right. Uh, they'll say like go buy a media buyer, yeah, or go go work with a media buyer. But there's all these different elements. You kind of just you, you kind of went through it pretty quick. But there's elements of like uh, creating the ad, mm. creating the message. Making sure the message to market the media, yeah. all those other pieces work together. Looking at uh, what is a reasonable ad spend per day mm. for this reach. Yeah. 
right? Like there's all these different elements into it. So like at a high level or a medium level, like for someone that's never bought ads before, what are like the three major things you should consider before buying media? The biggest obstacle I hear from newer wholesalers is finding buyers for their deals. Because unless you've built a massive buyers list or have a huge dispo team, you might struggle to move your deals. So when we started working with InvestorLive, we've been able to reach new buyers and sell deals faster at higher prices. We can see buyers in our area, their contact information, and with the new AI capabilities, connect with the buyers most interested in our deals based on the algorithms. We can also see who's clicked on our deals, how many pictures they clicked on, and how long they spent looking at it, and finally, what actions they took after engaging with our deals. We are now connected with thousands of buyers in our markets, and we now know exactly where we are with each deal and what next steps to take. If this sounds like something that would resolve or help your discipline process, I highly encourage you, go to the website, put in disruptors for 10% off. So you can focus on locking up deals unless I'm worried, stressed, and frustrated about finding buyers. So the first thing that I want to make crystal clear, and I don't think like nobody talks about this, and it running a media company drives me nuts. And and yourself, I'm sure, run a lot of uh, ads and whatnot for yourself. Mm. Ads don't fix a business. <laughs> ads don't make you money, right? right? Ads magnify a business, mm -hmm. and that's it. So if you have a poor product with a poor messaging angle mm -hmm. and you're having a hard time selling it to your friends, it doesn't matter how expensive of a media buyer or how right. well-produced your ad is or anything, mm -hmm. all you're doing is magnifying that. Mm -hmm. So number one is understand, and I don't want to get too cliche here, but I'll, I'll say it because people understand it. Understand your avatar, mm -hmm. right? Who are you selling to? understand like what are their pain points right, right? And, I, and we can talk about wholesaling ads in a bit too and I, and I can talk around that yeah but what are their pain points and how are you and why are you the best person to solve that mm -hmm. you can answer those questions then go put up an ad and I don't care if you record it on an iPhone 5 walking <laughs> around nervous shaking if your message is right mm -hmm. it's gonna it's gonna resonate and it's gonna do well right you don't need to have Grant Cardone ads or Tony ads right they're big and flashy but they also have their message so refined right mm -hmm. like I remember being in a room and being blown away. There's a team of, of there's got, must have been eight uh, copywriters and media buyers in this room. And they're all looking at this one web page, mm -hmm. and they spent three hours answering one question. You know what the question was? Who's Avatar? What's one word we can remove from this? Ah. Right? They were so focused in on the message, and their message was so dialed at that point that for them, the, the best they could do, and, and I apologize, I guess I skipped over the Avatar a bit there, yeah. but, but for them at such a high level, all they're trying to do is simplify their mm -hmm. message, right? It's not, people have this fantasy of like, it's gotta be these great ads, I gotta rent a studio and all that kind of stuff. That's the one in two and 3% at the end of your journey. Mm -hmm. You wanna have the, the biggest lever with the biggest fulcrum is your message, knowing your people. Yeah. And, and that's honestly, you hire a good media buying company and that's what they're gonna talk about. Don't talk to them about targeting and mm -hmm. where they're placing your ads. And honestly, don't talk to who cares if it's Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Mm -hmm. Some people will be like, oh, my avatar's not on TikTok. It's like, well, let's let the data find out, right? Let's right. make sure we have a good message that resonates with your avatar. Mm -hmm. And then who the hell cares if we put it on a billboard, if, if it's resonating with the right people and it's driving the right traffic and you're right. converting and your ROI's there. I don't care about cost per lead. I don't care about click-through rates. I care about ROI. And if that's there, that's all that matters. Yeah. I'm going to totally geek out here for a minute. Cool. And I have to do this because you're the expert here. Yeah. Uh, so we talk about two different things, avatar and mm -hmm. messaging. Yes. So, um, and this is so appropriate, right? Like mm -hmm. I think a lot of 
the way we've built marketing wholesaling businesses today mm. is very different than when I started close to 20 years ago. Yep. Right? Today, I can just hire Lee Zolo. Yeah. And I'm done. Yeah. Right? I don't have to put any additional thought into this. Right. Right? But let's just say hypothetically, there wasn't a Lee Zolo and there weren't other marketing companies mm-hmm. out there. Because like, you can really just plug and play today. Yeah. If I were to start my own marketing campaign, let's start with the avatar. How do you figure out who your avatar is? Yeah, that's a great question. And so what you're saying is assume I haven't done this before. I don't have a buy box. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of these terms, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that we like to talk hey, about. I was at the seminar. Yeah. And they say you should buy a house to become wealthy. Yeah. So, I'm going to start marketing for homeowners. Great. So what I would do, well, what I would do is go find somebody in the space <laughs> who's making millions of dollars <laughs> right. and, and pay for their time or, yeah. or offer to work for them for free. And I right. would just be like, you know, in the back rooms, like reading other ads. But, but yeah, to, to your point, to make it simple is I would go, okay, who's the person that's going to sell their house for less than what Zillow says? Because mm. that's, that's the game, right? right. Who's, Zillow says 320, I need to buy it for 260. Mm-hmm. Who's going to do that? And mm. I would just sit there and be like, who the hell would do that, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge ask. Mm-hmm. And then you go, okay, well, you know what? I know of my aunt. I remember when my aunt passed away, say, and my mom inherited this house and you know, we're in Canada. So like it was two provinces away, which might as well be on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. right? And it was a hoarder house and it was run down. And my mom's had so much stress. There was back taxes. There was this, that, and another thing. And she didn't know what to do. And like, she just wanted the burden gone. To her, that didn't hold value, right? Mm-hmm. Zillow might have said 320. But to her, it was just like, I just need this off my plate. Right. She also wanted to do the right thing for everybody else, um, you know, the other brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But she, she's the perfect avatar, right? right? Hey, if I went up to her and said, listen, I got this done tomorrow. You will never get another call from a bank about the back taxes, nothing. And like, I know that Zillow says 320, but there's all this work and blah, blah. If I just give you 200 grand, you know, I could, I could get you to sign the paperwork. I'd probably have the money to you within a month. But really, by tomorrow, you never have to think about this property again. Would you take it? And she goes, yep. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 200 extra grand she didn't have before that. And she's in pain and all these kinds of things. So for me, that's a starting point, right? It's a personal story, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have personal stories. And if not, go Google it, right. right? And so now I'm like, okay, now let's start working back. If what would my mother have need, needed to see on a billboard, don't, don't worry about Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. on a billboard, that if she read it, we went, oh. like, what if there's a billboard that just said, did you inherit a house two states over that's behind on back taxes that needs more work than you're capable of putting in and you just want out of that? Mm-hmm. She, she would have pulled over the car. She probably wouldn't even pull over the car. She'd been like <laughs> driving with one hand trying to dial the number. Like, yeah. it's just so simple. And that message is speaking to her heart. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would start there and go, okay, that's pretty specific, right? So right. like, now let's generalize a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know if somebody inherits a house that's run down, that's shitty. But what if somebody's living in a house that's run down and uh, is, is like they can't look after themselves anymore and they mm-hmm. need to retire, like move to a, to a self-aid home or something like that? That would kind of fit. Mm-hmm. So now how do I make a message that might speak to both of them? I'm okay with seg- segmenting to have two different ad campaigns for each, but like, you know, we, we want to have a big enough audience here. So what message would speak to both of them? Mm-hmm. And that, those are the types of questions that I'd ask myself. And yeah. then I, I would write an ad these days. I'd go to chat GPT mm-hmm. and I would type in my mother's story mm-hmm. and say like what, what ad would resonate and just like really look at those pain points. And, and, and you need to look at advertisement or you need, yeah, you need to look at ads as service. 
Hmm. Right? You are providing a service. You're not trying to swindle. You're not trying to impress and, oh, I'll get you the most money for your house. Screw that. Mm -hmm. Right? People looking for the most money for their houses are talking to realtors. Right. Right? Solve a problem. Just be a force for good. I have a a super quick story here. A a friend, Elijah Rubin, Mm -hmm. I was talking to him the other day and he was talking about how he was on a call with the seller and she was going through a really hard time. And he's like, he just wasn't focused on the house because she was in so much pain. Right. And he like suggested a podcast she should listen to, to like help her out this hard time she was going through. And like, if it's right with the house, like this is my number, like this is the, my offer and my number, like let me know. And she called him back like two days later, not only wanting to accept his offer, but this other friend who was in a similar situation mm-hmm. asking Elijah if she could, if he could help them. Right. Right. There was no talk about sell them or mm-hmm. buy their house. It's like, can you help this person? Mm-hmm. You got a two for one. Right. Yeah. So, and that's really powerful, right? It's about, it's about the person. It's not about the house. Yeah. Um, so getting the message right, you know, there's something that I've kicked out a lot on. Mm. Um, and, you know, I was in Craig Proctor coaching uh, some time ago, also a Canadian. Mm. Right. And then uh, I, a theme here. I, and I learned through his program, I was like, oh, Dan Kennedy wrote all your ads. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to study Dan Kennedy. Yep. And I went down, I want to say a rabbit hole for like two years. Yep. On just copywriting theory. Yeah. Right. So how valuable a skill is copywriting with what you do right now? Sure. I would say that it is like a nine out of 10 in being valuable mm-hmm. to the point where I won't touch it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I will not walk, I will not give anybody suggestions, like specific suggestions on an ad. Mm-hmm. I will not write a sales beat. It is that important that I will hire out for it. And I've mm-hmm. been in this for 10 years, Yeah, right? Like that, that's how I think, I think it's everything. Like clicking buttons in an ad account is mm-hmm. clicking buttons in an ad account, right? right? Like you hire an agency to do that because you don't want to click the buttons, not because mm-hmm. it's hard, right? right it's it, ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. right? People think there's some mystery behind it. It's not, it's, mm-hmm. but you need to hire a copywriter and, I, and you know you have the right copywriter when you read their copy and you go, that's what I do, mm-hmm. right? And like, you're just blown away by yeah. it. I'd buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. Yeah. Do you want to buy my house? Like, yeah. Yeah. So when I've told people, like, if you want to learn, if you want to learn copywriting, like, mm-hmm. go w- read all of Dan Kennedy yeah. stuff, but put your wallet somewhere where you can access it. Hundred percent. And I've read all Dan Kennedy stuff. I'm, I'm yeah. a huge nerd. Like, you and I were both going to Funnel Hacking Live this year. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like, I, I'll read it. I love like Ogilvy on advertising. Mm-hmm. There's so many great books, but I learn it. I learn it to understand it as a hobbyist and mm-hmm. to know who to hire and to, and to be able to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. But I'm very, very, very particular and focused on, on my circle of genius. And yeah. that's not it. You know, yeah. it, it, might, you, it might be assumed that I am because I'm media, mm-hmm. um, but I'm telling you, there's multiple facets to me. There's layers company. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, it, it's, it's a great point that you're so into it that you're, you're hiring it out, but you can vet it. And that was something yeah. that you know, when I designed my own PPC campaign, mm. right? Like again, starting back, I did all my own stuff. Yeah. I created my own campaigns. So then when I eventually hired it out, I could ask the right questions and vet the source, make sure, not vet the source, vet the provider. It's like, do you actually know what you're talking about? Mm. Or are you just selling me something? Yeah. Um, and so we talked about like, you know, the right way to do avatar and, 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 and marketing. That's not what I did, right? Like, uh, what I did when I started was I just completely just copied everything Sean Terry was doing. Sure. Right. Why not? I, I just saw, okay, this is what his website looks like. Yep. For the ad campaigns, there's a tool, Keyword Spy. Yep. So uh, you're familiar with that one? Yep. Right? So I, you can just download his entire PPC campaign sure. with all the keywords. Yep. And the, I don't think I could get the negative keywords. 
But it got. Probably, I don't think you can. Yeah. yeah, you can get the negative keywords, but you can get all the ads and the phrases and this and that. And you just like, and then you just run those campaigns. It's like, okay, I like that one. Keep that one going. Pause this one. Yeah. You're a funnel hacker. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what Russell Brunson would say, right? Yeah. Uh, worked, yeah. Worked remarkably well. Well, is he successful? Is he making millions of dollars? He was at the time. Yeah, right. Like he was in Phoenix. He was, I think he was the guy in yeah. Phoenix at the time. Now he's nationwide. Yeah. Don't change a word. That like that would be my recommendation. Like, yeah, don't change a word. Yeah. I also think it's important too, and I and I I'm, I'm, I want to be very intentional about clarifying things because it's really important to me. Like when we're vetting people, and I'm vetting a copywriter, you're vetting a PPC mm-hmm. company. It's really important to know the difference between vetting and managing, mm-hmm. right? Um, I know copywriting enough to know that there's way more that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I know enough to know if somebody's trying to sell me versus somebody who just knows more than me, and that's what I want. The tingles. Right, I want that. Oh, yeah, he knows way more than me. Absolutely, that's yeah, cool. absolutely. So, we went down this, you know, big tangent, but yeah. I was just super curious, super nerdy here. Yeah. So, you go work with Kyle. Mm. You're buying campaign. You're buying uh, media. Yeah. At which point does this turn into real estate? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great question. So, I will say, maybe we'll start back a little bit because it, it'll help contextualize. Sure. So, when I was a kid, my both my parents own a company. So, like, my father owns an auto body shop. Well, at the time, my grandfather did, and my father was working there looking to take it over. And my mother owned a daycare. Mm-hmm. So my early experience of entrepreneurialism and, and running businesses was they're highly stressful. They suck. I got to <laughs> work. You know, I'm home for dinner, and I'm back at work. So, like, I was jaded. Like, I wasn't a big fan of this whole starting a business. It looked hard. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about with my kids here. So, all right, let's make sure we make it look easy. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe not easy, but like aspiring, right? Yeah. Like this is like this is hard work for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't, my parents didn't tie to the end of it. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was hard work so we can eat tonight. And it was just like, oh, there's, there's got to be a ways. better way, right? <laughs> so uh, at the time I was working at a grocery store, the local grocery store. I'm from like a town of 3,000 people. So I'm local grocery store. I'm in the back room in the meat department, like mopping floors and that kind of stuff. Um, my older brother at the time graduated high school. He didn't want to start a business. Uh, very smart guy. He started pursuing his PhD in Waterloo. That also jaded me. I didn't like the idea of all that work. I didn't enjoy high school very much. So I remember graduating high school and kind of being in the spot and being like, running a business sucks, right? It's a lot of hard work. My parents don't have any money, so can't be very fruitful there. Academia looks like it sucks. My brother's working days and days and days and going further and further into debt. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And I was talking to my guidance counselor, and she's like, oh, well, you've worked in the meat department. Do you know that uh, meat cutting's a trade, and you only need 4,000 hours? Over the last four years of high school, you've gathered the 4,000 hours, so you just need to go write an exam, and you have your meat cutter's license. And I was like, easy, love it, right? <laughs> so I did that. I was 18 years old when I graduated high school, and I was making over $20 an hour, which at the time was a lot of money. And I was making more money than my friends. Half my friends were in universities, so I was like hanging out in their dorm room, sleeping on their beds. I got the party side of it, plus I was making money. <laughs> What, what the hell more did I want? Yeah. Um, so I started working with the company, uh, me cutting, being a meat cutter, kind of traveled a little bit with them. Um, I had a manager at one point with whom I despised. He was just, she, she was terrible to her employees. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like made a vow at one point because I'd been asked multiple times to be her assistant. And I was just like, no, no, I just want to cut meat, man. Go party. <laughs> so anyways, there was at one point, I remember very distinctly being in the cooler and there was an employee crying um, because she was not very kind. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to take the assistant meat manager job. I, I, I think that I can be a force for good here. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And that really turned me on to management and wanting to manage people. And like, I got really inspired by leadership books and all this kind of stuff. I got really excited. Needless to say, I grew very quickly with the company to the point where I was 
sent across the province, opened up multiple stores with them, run their meat program, and then eventually offered a store, a couple stores to run. This, at this point, I was the youngest store manager in the company. I was pretty excited, pretty high on myself. I was making good money. The youngest I was 28. Um, and like the compensation was great. It was like 80 plus 50 in bonus. Mm -hmm. So like I was on high life. This is 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So the problem was, is that it was a grind and I was working 80 hours a week and grocery store margins are between 1.5 and 3%. So I'm talking, you're managing a hundred employees. You're doing a quarter of a million dollars a week. You have a huge space that you have to look after. It's got to be clean. You've got to buy products. You've got to sell products. It's all fresh. I worked in kind of like the Whole Foods of Canada, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like you got to turn over your apples every two days. Like it's crazy, mm -hmm. right? And I remember sitting there just being like, this sucks. Like this isn't what I want, right? The margins suck. Business sucks. And it's just business sucks. And so I was like, I'm working all this time. I feel like I'm pretty smart. I've got all these chops. I'm managing a $13 million store at the time. I'm like, Oh, there's got to be something else. So I remember going home and I remember just seeing a course online. It was like how to run Facebook ads for local businesses. And I was like, how to get $1,500 retainers. Yeah. And it's just like, and to set up the ads was like a day's worth of work. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's it. Golden ticket, baby. Right? So I quit my job on the spot. Like I'm done. On the spot. Yeah. That was it. I just, I saw it. I saw it for the very first time in my entire life that I saw it. And I didn't know what it was yet, but I saw that like in through simplicity was profit somehow. Are you sure it wasn't because how much you hated your job? Could have very likely been. Could have very likely been. And I don't suggest anybody to do it because I took a $30,000 payout and I was $30,000 in debt before yeah. I'd landed my first client. So there was 60K of swing there. Yeah. Um, but that, that, but then you find the complexities in it, right? The sales was hard. I'm not good at sales, man. I don't, I don't talk well to strangers. Maybe, maybe a little more confident now and I'm better at it. I'll say but, right now you strike me as a person uh, that could sell. Well, sure, but I get to talk about my company. I'm, I'm proud of my company. But yeah. at the time, when you're trying to sell something you never sold before, like I'm sure you've seen with new newbies mm -hmm. in, in this industry, like it's hard. Yeah. Like it's super hard. So yeah, there was there was a time. So, th so that's when it got hard again because then, then I felt the complexity again because then I got to learn sales and then I had to learn media buying. Then I had to like hold on to clients. I got to write contracts and I was just like, what is going on, mm -hmm. right? And I was just like, I can't do this. So what I need to do is find a job at a media company to learn how they're doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and try and like hack them. From so the you night. fell for someone else's ad yeah, that they were buying media for. 100%. And you were promised a magic pill. Yeah. Bought 100%. the magic pill. Wasn't quite yeah. what you thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how long from when you did that to you're like, all right, I should go work somewhere else first? Not very long because my wife got pregnant. It was like this, like literally I quit my job. I came home and told my wife that I quit. Oh, and she said it was I, not a team because discussion. No. And she told me she was pregnant. So it was a real coming of, of you know, yeah. fate at that time. Very stressful coming of mm -hmm. fate. So anyways, it was, I want to say, well, it was 10 months later because I remember being uh, my daughter, my daughter being born and being in the hospital and taking and being on the phone for Toronto Police Services, applying for Toronto Police Services because I didn't have any clients and I was broke. Yeah. And then immediately after that, I got an email from Kyle Salarud, who's now my business partner, who was looking for media buyers. Mm. And I was like, I, I know enough about it to pretend I know a lot about it, so I'm going to go apply. Yeah. Well, and, and I think there's something here, you know, uh, a lot of wholesalers, something that we'll say is, we'll work somewhere else, mm. you know, swallow your pride, yeah. you know, for a short period of time learn on someone else's dime, right? Yeah. So you get the skills and the experience and you get to see how the sausage is made for the most part. And then do whatever you got to do. You know, we have something, uh, we have a non-compete 
to to work at our wholesaling company. Yep. You know, kind of went back and forth. You want to do this or do, do this or not? But what we have in our non-compete is after three years, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yep. Right. I just need a three-year commitment. After that, you want to compete against me? Like, go for it. Like, yep. no one's gonna hit you for that. I just need a three-year commitment. Yeah. Right. But in general, we also recommend other people like go learn somewhere else, and then you can go do this. Right. I, I think it's brilliant advice. Yeah, but you did this a little differently. Well, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Right, I'm just like fumbling through. I was saying you you were somewhere and then you stayed there. Well, well, not really. So no. I worked there. Well, I do now. I guess I'm director of operations for that company. But but I was there long enough to realize that it was like it was higher margins than a grocery store, but it was complex. There's a copywriting department. Mm -hmm. There's an editing department. There's a YouTube media buying department. There's a TikTok media buying department. There's partner support, and there was all these things, and it was heavy. Mm -hmm. Right, it was heavy. So. I was learning this and just being like, maybe this is just what business is, mm -hmm. right? It's complex, it's hard, and it's low margins, right? I want to. It's like I want to go interview everybody. Yeah, two uh, CC awards and award you win with ClickFunnels mm -hmm. after you've done a million dollars in revenue through their software. I want to go interview every two CCer because I bet you most of them spent more than a million dollars to make that million dollars. I don't think you want to. <laughs> I don't think you want to look under that hood. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this is what was this realization was coming to me, and it was like. I don't know. I don't know how much I love this. Mm -hmm. And then um, Kyle asked me to come fly out to North Dakota one day. And he's like, I, want, I need you to meet a friend of mine. Uh, he's like, I got an idea. He's like, I really like working with you. He's like, I think we need to start another company. And I was like, well, like, what's the concept? What's, you know, what is all this? And he's like, I'll show you when we get here. So I flew to North Dakota and he's just like, this is what we need to do. And he had, you know, like the, the four by eight flashcards. And he like pushed it over to me and he goes, PPL company, mm -hmm. find clients, make ads, make funnel. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, and as long as we just stick to this, mm -hmm. it's going to rock. Because, you know, Charlie Munger once said, it, you know, you need to make things as simple as possible, but no more simpler. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to, to, you know, it's not about reducing everything to zero because that doesn't work. But there is a way to simplify business. And there are business models that are highly profitable. Mm -hmm. that you can serve a huge audience. I would say courses and info products is a way to do this as well mm -hmm. um, and not hate it. Yeah. And so we took that and, and you know, there's more of a story about Leadzolo there, but we took that and we went, we just need to find an industry who's not being served well that we can help. And yeah. we're going to set up a model where there's no retainers. They're not paying us ad spend. There's no contracts. There's no, I got to meet with them with partner support every week to justify why we're running their ads. Mm -hmm. We need to simplify the whole process. We need them to come in, buy what they want and leave and get the best value humanly possible. And again, for the first time in years after being jaded with this whole thing, I was inspired. And that's how we, and that's how we started Leadzola. And we still have that flashcard. What's the difference between what you guys were doing mm. and this PPL model? Yeah, so there, there's a large difference in terms of like just business structure, right? But I think what we learned over time was the biggest value was, was really having this understanding of media buying. So we were maybe a little arrogant coming into it. So we took on some clients. And, so we started, I, I, I'll reel it back a little bit. We started with one wholesaler in North Dakota. Mm. And we arrogantly just said, listen, we'll, we'll provide leads for you. You get 50% of all deals. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, no deal. And we're just like, oh, okay, shit. <laughs> so then we're like, what about this? We'll pay for the ads to get you deals. We need you to just give us, you know, something. We just want proof of concept for this. So we did that. And it was great. And he made a whole bunch of money in the first month. And we were just like, holy crap. But what mm -hmm. we noticed was our, our cost per lead was quite high. So at the time, mm -hmm. our cost per lead was about $200 a lead. But we're just like, he's making all kinds of money. 
Um, we can charge 350 bucks a lead. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And he was in a mastermind, Dan Schwartz's 80-20 mastermind. And so he went and told everybody in the mastermind. Mm-hmm. So next thing I know, again, we just started this thing, right? We had the, we had the three things that we were focused on. We're, luckily, we had a YouTube media company, so we mm-hmm. were able to like have them build a funnel and ads and stuff. So what happened was we were taking on somebody who was working in just one little area. So Philadelphia, for example. And somebody came, they gave us 10 grand for 30 leads to give them 30 leads in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize we're used to running nationwide campaigns. We're used to running global campaigns for you know yeah. Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone and all this kind of stuff. Like We're just like, oh yeah, let's run in Philly, no big deal. Well, to fulfill that ten thousand uh, dollar contract we have with that client probably cost us fifteen grand. Our cost per lead spiked because it was yeah. different in different areas. That's when we started doing a lot of research and mm-hmm. like PPC and SoCal's two hundred fifty bucks a click and mm-hmm. like all the stuff. So we're like, this is this is what we need to do. Is we need to be able to run nationwide. Mm-hmm. So because once you run nationwide, you cut your lead cost like significantly down. Right. And if we could run nationwide and we had a platform where we could distribute. So Steve can come in and go, I only want Philly leads. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'm going to run nationwide, but when a lead comes in in Philly, it goes to Steve, yeah. right? And if it comes in in Harris County, it's going to Naaman, right? If it mm-hmm. comes in anywhere else, it goes to RJ because he'll take anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we need to do. And so we started running it and, and we just, like the proof was there, right? It was like we were getting leads in SoCal for $150 where people were paying $250 a click. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, this is it. We need to crowdsource the biggest PPC campaign that's out there. Mm-hmm. And once we do that, we will beat everybody because the, the company that spends the most with Google or whatever, we're feeding the AI the most, mm-hmm. right? Which means we get the richest data back. The richer the data in, the richer the data out. So that's, that was really the turning point for us was understanding this and going, we can, we can be the biggest force for good in this entire industry because we can do what nobody else can do. Yeah. Everybody else is just trying to run a little PPC campaign here and there, and they're paying it they ask for it. Right. Okay. So what were the three things again? Uh, find clients, make ad, make funnel. Gotcha. I could uh, add to it a little bit by like find a good piece of software to distribute the leads, mm-hmm. um, which is another one of our companies now where we're developing that. But yeah. Yeah. So the biggest difference then is before you were finding clients. Mm, yes. And then filling those. Yes. And to make sure those clients were happy. Right. Now you're getting the leads and then distributing them to clients. So right. it's kind of like the order is reversed. Completely reversed. And somebody can come in and spend 179 bucks and get a lead or buy five leads, mm-hmm. right? Spend whatever it is, 650 bucks and get five leads rather than, oh, I'm new to wholesaling. I'm going to dish out the two grand retainer. Mm-hmm. I got to dish out the five grand for the first month ad spend. Mm-hmm. All for the end of that first month, that company tell me, oh, it'll be another two months before we're dialed in, yeah. right? Because that's the agency. Like we're running that agency on another, mm-hmm. right? On the other side. And it's like, that doesn't work for everybody. And, and we had to come to a realization that like the top 1% is literally the top 1%. Who's helping the other 99%? It's not fair, right? Like, like they don't get to come in. They're cold calling and sending SMS text messages. Like, holy crap, how prehistoric is this? And like, what a way to, they're just gonna have the same experience I had. They're gonna be inspired because they see somebody on YouTube and see somebody make 10 grand in a phone call and they're gonna get into it and it's gonna be complex and hard and they're just gonna be discouraged and they're gonna be back cutting meat in the back of the grocery store. And I don't want anybody to have to go through that again because entrepreneurialism is honestly, in my opinion, the greatest gift all of us have. I completely agree with that. So you're doing the PPL model. Mm -hmm. Um, So fortunately you didn't come talk to me for advice Uh, (laughs) because I've done the PPL model as well. Mm, Interesting, same industry? Yeah, Mm. right? Because again, like when I built my own campaigns, I saw how lucrative it was. Like, hey, like other people, like you should do this. Yeah. And so I was selling leads. 
right? I think at $200 a lead at this point. And I came to realize very quickly, I think within like six to eight months, I hate this model. Why? Because the feedback was always the leads suck. Yeah. And it was always, no, I'm making a lot of money on these leads. Yeah. Not the leads. But you couldn't go in there and it's like, no, Drew, here's the problem. You're taking two days to call them back. What CRM are you using? Okay, that's not a real CRM. Get a real yep. CRM. Couldn't say these things. At least in my world, I couldn't imagine saying these things to a client. And I was like, ah, this is terrible. Let's just scrap the whole thing. Yep. So, yeah, totally. Uh, is that part of what your partner success thing is? Well, well, we don't have partner success now in this company. Right. Um, but, but I can tell you how we beat that. Yeah. Yeah, please. When you started your real estate business, it was with the dream to change the world and make an impact. The reality is you might not be near that. If you're like many investors, you might be frustrated. You just can't succeed in getting your salespeople to do what they know that they should do. They operate on their own terms, meaning they don't follow your process that you know produces consistent results. So each month feels like a roller coaster because revenue is coming in inconsistently. How relieving would it be if your salespeople did follow your proven process, were receptive to feedback and training, and could be held accountable to the results that leads to their success and your success? Would your company stop riding in the roller coaster of revenue, frustration, and mental drain? And that's why we brought in Ren Bartlett. He's built a business that's wholesaled 100 plus houses a month. The people he brings into his business are bought into the process. They have a deep understanding of their role and are excited to be held accountable because as a business owner, he truly knows their deeper why so that we can demonstrate that our company is here to provide for their true purpose. If you'd like to finally stop dreading managing people who don't follow a process produce inconsistent results and aren't bought into your company, sign up for our sales leadership program to end the emotional stress of inconsistent results and finally have a fulfilling business working with people you want to be around. Uh, first off, and I just got to tell this quick little story and a little shout out to our support uh, team. She's awesome. She literally came to me, uh, the, a dispute came in. So we have disputes. So there's absolutely legitimately lead you should dispute like mm. you got a lead and it's on the mls that's under contract with a realtor dispute mm. it we'll give you we'll recredit your account give to you a fresh lead mm. for sure so we have a dispute department and support looks after and and somebody sent in a dispute and of course they cc me on it because they got my email and it's going to be different because mm. i got the ceo um but the reason was the person wanted retail for their property mm. and so i remember slacking support and she was like so how did you respond to that like it's a good training opportunity right so how did you respond to this person who said that and she said, oh, it's just really simple. I just replied and said, we don't grant disputes for sales objections. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like on the nose, right? Like just on the nose. And the reason is, is because she's seen every piece of content that every one of her clients has, right? Mm -hmm. and, and is a part of her indoctrination into our company. But like, if you think about where do our customers come from, we don't do like, I think it's been a year since we spent a dollar trying to acquire clients into our company. Mm -hmm. What we do is we sponsor events where people are working leads live. Mm -hmm. That's how we started. We go put a big chunk of change to sponsor an event. Plus, we give we supply the event with all the leads, right? Very expensive for us. Oh, yeah. But why? So that every single person in that room is going to get social proof. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter how crappy they Massive all are. social proof. There's going to be people deal, deal, deal. Mm -hmm. RJ Bates, in the very first time we did this with the Wholesaling Live last year, not this year's, last year, RJ Bates got a $1.3 million contract live on stage in 16 minutes. Mm -hmm. he, made, he made six figures in 16 minutes with one of our leads. Now, when somebody goes, the leads are crap, we go, you should probably go talk to RJ about that because he must be doing something wrong because he's crushing it, mm -hmm. right? Or Tyson or Naaman. Like, mm -hmm. we, we are very strategic to make sure that 
that we're showing social proof of our leads. Right. And it's not because like, oh, we don't want to grant disputes or anything mm -hmm. like that. We want to be a part of the inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we didn't come into selling leads and wholesaling because I want to have a cave of gold coins to sit on for the rest of my life. Right. We came in here to disrupt this industry. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's funny with your name and I should, I should show you our, our values slide um, for our company mm -hmm. because that's literally what it is, is that we are here to disrupt this company and help sellers in need. And so we have to overcome objections from mm -hmm. our clients and help them. So like when our support girl said that to that person, she didn't, it wasn't in, it wasn't with a malicious tone. It was so like, this is an opportunity for you. This mm -hmm. is a sales objection. And yeah. you need to look at it like that. Not because you want your $179 back, mm -hmm. but because this is an opportunity. I want retail. I don't care, man. Right. Like my mother wanted retail in that store. She wanted it, but she was very willing to take a quick payout because the, you know, she had some pain. Yeah. Your job is to discover that. So when did you guys go down to North Dakota? When did we go? Like, when did I fly out to Mikal mm -hmm. for the first time to do this? Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been November, December of 2021, because in January of 2022 is when we established Leedzolo LLC. Got it. So end of 21 is when you guys first branched into real estate. It was definitely our first experience. Yes. It's when we thought we were going to partner with this wholesaler and we were mm -hmm. going to take over the world. Um, which didn't work. And then we got our butts kicked with leads and stuff. So yeah, it was probably, we tried a bunch of different models, but yeah, beginning January, 2022. Is when we what were those models? Cause like I, I, I yeah. just shared a story of my failure, right? Like I, I tell yeah. people like, you know, I've started oh. these other companies that didn't work and I can't remember all of them. Cause you know, they just get, they get pushed in the back. But one of them was this PPL model. Yeah. So what were some of those, sure. what were some of those things that you thought were for sure going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. They didn't. So the, when we first had the proof concept for the leads at 200 bucks and mm -hmm. we're just like, if we can sell these for 350 bucks because they're converting, you know, one in eight or something, I believe our first client testimonial was. Yeah, we got insane margins. We, exactly. They're crushing it. We can crush it. If we're making 150 bucks on a $200 lead, we're happy. Everybody's good. And then just like finally there's certain areas where it was costing us more. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were, it was like, it was bad. Like uh, the 2CC uh, comment I made before. Mm -hmm. I literally say that because when we got our first 2CC, we made our first million dollars. My P&L was negative $250,000. It cost me two, 1.25 to make 1 million. Like it was, it was. But you got it. What's that? But, but I got, got it. <laughs> I got it. Um, sure. So, so then the next thought was, okay, what we can do is offer PPC. So we know how to do PC. We can basically template the model in terms of the keywords and names like you did with Sean Terry. Now, what we were able to do was create that for everybody by creating this perfect campaign in one area. And then we just have to like duplicate for people. Mm -hmm. So then we put together a webinar. I started selling off the back of a webinar. So it was $4.97 a month for us to manage your PPC campaign. Problem was we did a little too good of a job on the webinar. My conversion rates off that webinar were astronomical, like 20 to 25%. So if 100 people showed up, I was making 25 sales out of $500 a month thing. Problem Remarkable. was, it was great. The problem was they didn't know what they were buying, right? So again, we're realizing that 99% of this industry are people who have just been recently inspired and mm -hmm. are just like, I just saw somebody on YouTube. I saw RJ or I saw you, Steve Trang mm -hmm. and he's making this money. So I'm jumping in head first. And mm -hmm. I saw this webinar and you know, these leads, these guys are awesome. They've worked with Tony Robbins. I'm signing up, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so then it was like, getting emails. So when do we start, when do we get our leads? And we're like, well, we're saying your campaign. And then I need you, you need to put your credit card on file. Like I explained in the webinar and like, you got to pay for ad spend. And they're like, well, how many leads do I get for the 500? And they're just like, oh man, they don't understand. Right? They didn't connect the dots. They didn't connect the dots. I didn't connect the dots for them. Right. right. This is on me. 
Um, but so it just, it didn't work because even when we did change the webinar, it was a lot more informative. The problem was, is that like, it, it just wasn't a fit because they didn't understand what they're buying. They didn't understand the industry. Right. So that was tough. We made a lot of money and then ended up refunding a lot of money because it was just like, this isn't what they need. And so we had to come back and that's when we rethought the PPL model. And we're just like, we need to go nationwide. And, yeah. and, and the biggest, cause the biggest thing is the data to Google, right? So when we're doing these multiple PPC campaigns, we can like connect it all in an MM, MCC at the top and everything optimizes for the same conversion, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't matter if you're in North Dakota, South Dakota, California, New York, we're still gathering on the same data. So we're still, even if somebody's only spending $20 a day, they're getting the benefit of the $30,000 we're spending collectively. Um, so then we just had to like, let's just take this over um, to the other side. Let's go back to what we know is going to work, which is nationwide. And let's start, let's start winning the game of Google. Yeah. So you work in Dakota, you get one really happy client. Mm-hmm. Uh, word of mouth spreads within Dan Schwartz's 80-20 community. You yep. get more clients. Yep. And, it just... and then we had to fire all the clients because we were going broke. Okay. All right. So it wasn't easy. And then you had to fire all the clients or you had to at least reset expectations with yes. all these clients. Yes. Well, we had yeah, like double our, double our prices and they weren't into paying 700 bucks for a lead because yeah. that's a hard pill to swallow. So then you had to redo all that. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? Yeah. So then we knew the PPL model was going to work. There's, there are issues with the PPL model, right? So I can run a nationwide campaign, but what am I going to do with a lead in Alaska? Right. And like you, you only start with a small handful of clients. So it's like, okay, so I've got these small handful of clients in a few cities still having that same issue as prior, right? Still can't really run nationwide because I don't know what to do with all these other leads. So that's when we started partnering uh, with some other, uh, with, with RJ and some other people where we'd send them leads and they would send us a percentage back on closed deals, which ended up being quite fruitful for us. Um, we, had to, we had to learn pretty quickly. Like we were, at one point, we were just like, we're just going to do this with everybody. Like, Heck yeah, let's just like bring everybody on JVs. We had to learn very quickly that, you know, integrity can be an issue with some people. There's, you know, when no, no. Uh, um, and then there's also like, so now I need to like hire, at one point we had to hire somebody who was auditing CRMs. And then there was like, a, well, we gave you this lead. Yeah, but the lead was in my system before that. And like, it was just like, it was a mess. And so what happened was, is we went, from simplicity back to complex and was just like, no, again, this is too hard, let alone we have people like RJ jumping up and down going, I don't want to split, give me a price per lead because I'm paying you too much, right? So then there was that, but it, it, it evened out really quickly because after Wholesaling Live, we had a lot of clients come on board. Um, and ever since then, like, like we, yeah, we, we filled up the country very quickly. So when was Wholesaling Live? So this was last year, November. When was it this year, November? So I think it was around November both years. So okay, so it was the end. So you started officially in the beginning of 2020, and then wholesaling live was the end of 2020. Correct. And this was an event with uh, Charles and Mike. That's right. Gotcha. What was the idea? Like, what convinced you guys? It's it'd be wise to sponsor an entire event. Yeah. So for us, it was we were just so passionate about it. Like we believed in it at this point. We'd. Everybody, I mean, I imagine that was not a small cost, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing it was multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's 50 grand. Yeah. To 
be the prement premier sponsor. Yeah, we weren't the premier actually. Robert Wensley, and he's done this to me three times, just like sneaks right in on me. Uh, so we were, we were second, but we were also the we also had to provide all the leads. He's gonna be in town tomorrow if you wanna uh, if you I wanna heard. give words for him. I heard. So um, okay, so fifty grand yep. to be the second sponsor. Yeah. Well, it was like thirty plus twenty in leads or something. Like twenty that. in leads. Yeah. Okay. So again, that thing is an unproven concept. Yeah. But this is a risky bet. What we knew was that everybody we were giving leads to mm. wanted more. And mm. we just, like, everybody was making a return. Like, mm. like, just everybody. And so we were just like, we, we knew it was right. And mm. we knew all we have to do. And what, luckily, we had another company that was floating the bill. Mm. So we, uh, we, we leaned on that a little bit. And then, um, yeah, we just knew it would work. We just needed more people on the platform. Yeah. And and like I said, right? Like cost us one point two to make our first million, and and but at no point were we ever deterred. Mm -hmm. It was just like we need to hit a, a tipping point. Okay, so you struck a check. Fortunately, maybe one of those Robin Peter the PayPal situations. Yeah. Uh, so so you get this going. Was it like immediately you saw a return, or was it still kind of like no? It it wasn't until twenty twenty. Well. I shouldn't say that. It was probably immediately we started seeing a return yeah. until the company was profitable. Wasn't because I saw all the ads afterwards, right? Like you, you go to lizola.com and then it's like bam, yeah. we're selling live twenty two. Absolutely, yeah. nonstop. So yeah, you, you don't get a better testimonial than that. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was it, pretty well. Like it was, it probably wasn't immediate, but uh, yeah, it was pretty soon after there that we hired our second salesperson. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then we were profitable since for sure. And then you guys. I was, I was, we're going to talk about Closes Olympics. Mm. What else did you guys do before Closes Olympics? Um, let me try and think this through. Uh, there was another event. I can't, I'm blanking on it. There was, oh, no, well, I guess I should say like prior to Wholesaling Live in 2021 or 2022 at the beginning, we did go to Milwaukee to Tony Romero's mm -hmm. um, Hustle Harder. I don't know. Turn up the Hustle or turn, Hustle Harder. Don't turn up the Hustle's mic. But yeah, we went to their event, which is interesting, not as a sponsor, um, but just to kind of feel that through. Mm. Uh, I don't know, I don't know actually that we sponsored another event until Closers Olympics. Actually, might have been the other yeah. one that I was talking about. Yeah, because Robert swooped in and got the... Yeah, Robert. Yeah. Good old Robert. Good old Robert. I mean, he's got like an unlimited... Uh, I feel like he's just like half a step ahead of me with like knowing people, you know? He's, like, got, he's got unlimited capital. Yeah, wow. Um, so in going through Closers Olympics, you know, when we, when we rate the winners through mm. the event, right? RJ was King Closer. Right. Unfortunately, he was. He still won. Mm -hmm. Right. But he was the second biggest winner. I consider in that event. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Because you guys were by far the biggest winner. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, not arrogantly, but like, honestly, like, like, hands down to this day, we get applications that say, you know, heard of you from where closer mm -hmm. to Olympics. Like, right. like, it's just now it's in the records for forever. But, mm. but yeah, it was a massive opportunity. I remember getting the call from Elijah. Well, the DM from Elijah. No idea who this guy is, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, RJ told me to reach out. I'm like, yeah, I got you and 37 other people in here. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why I actually called him back because I just don't respond to DMs. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just like, I, I need you to sponsor. Like, like for, we need leads for this. And explain the concept to me. I, had, I didn't understand what it was. <laughs> I was going on and like looking it up online. And from what I understood, iSpeed was like running this event. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, I'll join with that. Like, I like the iSpeed guys, I mm -hmm. guess. Theoretically, they're competition, but not really. So it's like, I know Gene, I know Liam. Mm. Like, let's hop in and, and figure this out. It turned out that iSpeed was actually only doing like the first part and it was just us for the last. And I was mm. like, 
Okay, I was actually on holidays as well. I was at my cottage, uh, at a cottage up in Muskoka. So I'm there with like this crappy Wi-Fi, like trying like texting my business partner being like, dude, we got to like triple the lead flow or something. These guys need leads. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, closer's Olympics. Ever heard of it? It's like, nope. And I'm just like, well, we're taking a swing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And like really didn't know anybody uh, other than RJ, of course, and Naaman, but like none of the organizers mm -hmm. or, or yourself or anybody that was there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were just like, people are working our leads then it's got to be worth it. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we just need people working our leads and everything will be fine after that. Yeah. It's like, that's why we started with only selling 30 lead packages, mm -hmm. which is like, you can't buy one because as you and I both know, the, the, the law of averages say doesn't that work. it doesn't work. So buy 30 at least. So if we can do this publicly, mm -hmm. anywhere we can do it publicly, we will. Yeah. And I remember messaging you. It was like, like it's saying like you're the biggest winner because like from the get go, mm -hmm. People are locking things up. Yeah. They're getting contracts. Yeah. And I'm, so here I am nerve, like shake. I remember like the first person who's like three leads in and ringing. I'm just like, oh, this is so bad. Like I've never like felt more on stage in my life, but it wasn't, then it was like the week later, I started watching the recordings mm -hmm. of past closer Olympics. And I was like, oh man, yeah, no, we were looking pretty good. Mm -hmm. We're looking really good. Yeah. I would say perspective wise. Cause um, so I participated mm -hmm. as a contestant uh, in the first one and all we had were dead leads. And was that, so what was like cold call leads or? Um, I, th I think there were any leads, right? It didn't yeah. matter the source. They were just dead leads. Right. Right. And I will st still stay here for the record. I was the only one that actually closed the deal in that first one. Right. Uh, but that was, it was just dead leads. Yeah. Uh, second year was everyone submit your leads. Right. Uh, but they had to be fresher. <laughs> right? They okay. had to be within like the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Right. Like people you talk to that you couldn't close. So there was more quality. There was more conversation, at least. More conversations. Yeah. And then I'm sitting here as a judge this year, where I mean, the most recent one, so like six months ago, I was like, holy crap. Like, everyone's answering the phone. <laughs> what is this? Uh, what is this? Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Not magic, but what is, what is this sorcery? Like, what is going on that everyone yeah. answers what? the phones? And um, so, yeah, I, I watched this take off. I watched people signing contracts. I watch people blowing sales. Yep. Oh, yeah. Really discouraging or disheartening as a sales coach, watching people just break every rule yeah. in sales. You it, know. But what a brilliant little concept. Like, not brilliant for the sellers. And, and again, we're focused on, on the sellers and, and our company. But brilliant in terms of sales. Like, mm -hmm. they're, like they're, that's pressure, baby. Like, yeah. you have 30 minutes from the moment somebody picks up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, again, I was messaging you. I was like, man, this is crazy. You guys, are, you guys must be booked out. And I think you said, yeah, like at this moment, we're booked out for the next two weeks. Like, close Olympics wasn't over yet. Yeah. And your salespeople were booked out for two weeks. Yeah. So I don't think could, there could have been a better scenario no. for you guys. Couldn't have been. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal. And even, well, I guess wholesaling live was a few months ago. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't do a lot there. We did a little bit with my uh, with with Charles. We're two weeks booked out now. Yeah. Like it's just there's. Everybody talks about us and it's, it's awesome and it's, right. it's really done well. So for the uninitiated who's mm -hmm. never heard of Lee Zolo, yeah. what exactly is Lee Zolo? Yeah, so very, very simply, um, right now it's, it's, it's a pretty manual process right now, but it won't be in the future. But yeah, so we run nationwide ads and we run a lot. We mm -hmm. spend tens of thousands of dollars every single day running ads and we're going to get into other stuff. Like we're mm -hmm. going to start buying TV spots and stuff just because we need more sources of leads. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So we do this on a nationwide. Although like one website, theoretically, think about it. We have 10 different brands to mm -hmm. diversify. But basically everybody's going to one website in one form and they fill it out. 
And then, then it goes into our, our distribution software. Mm-hmm. So when you sign up with Leadzolo, you sign up and go, listen, I only want leads from this county, this county, and this county. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be contiguous. Like you can grab a county from Jersey, a county from Texas, whatever, top 100 counties on investor lift like a lot of people are doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. And then you get put into our system at that. You're then given a wallet where you can put a credit card on file and you can put money on. And mm-hmm. so you just have this balance. And then as a lead comes in in real time, it round robins because there's going to be multiple people in a county, mm-hmm. right? So say there's four people in Harris County, it, it just round robins. First person gets one, the second person gets the next lead, third gets the third, and it comes in. We'll you know, put it onto a Google Sheet, yeah. integrate with your CRM, whatever you need, and just deducts from your balance. Pause, start whenever you want. Whenever, if you want, ever want to change a county, just got to email or support. They'll have it done within hours. Um, yeah, very, very, very simple. You choose where the leads are coming from and it's not on a marketplace where they're old and they've been sitting. It's like literally while they're still like, they filled out the form and they're on the thank you page and your phone is buzzing. And like, you could be talking to them while they're still on the website. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's, that's really what we found to be the key to success. I didn't really understand this concept of speed to lead, um, until I got into this industry. Cause again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty like, uh, sales stunted. Mm. Like I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know much about this stuff. So yeah. So I think we missed that important detail here. Mm. How are they getting to the website? Right. So you, so my partner and I run a YouTube ad agency. Mm. So we're, YouTube is where we got all of our chops. Right. So ninety percent of our traffic comes from YouTube. We're diversifying at this point because mm-hmm. we do not. Maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot by saying this, but it's fine. We do not believe that platform creates quality, right? Because right. at the end of the day. In a single day, you've been on YouTube, TikTok, Tinder, whatever, right? Everybody's been on all these apps. You're not a different person when you're on a different app, right? right. If I was trying to sell you on YouTube leads, I would have something different to say, but mm-hmm. whatever. Right. So we, we don't discriminate that way. Yes, our claim to fame is YouTube. People really got intrigued by us because we we're on YouTube and there's no other wholesaler on YouTube. Mm. Believe me, we have all the spy softwares. You were talking about the spy software for PPC. We have them for YouTube. I can mm. type in wholesalers or name of ads and see who's running. Nobody. The only mm. person that's ever done it is Open Door, and mm. they failed miserably. And that's right. why they've crashed and why they don't spend any more ads, money on ads. Um, so yeah, everything comes from there. Now we're, we're opening up. Like we're running some Facebook, we're running some TikTok. We're definitely going to be uh, buying some TV spots. Mm-hmm. We're going to be buying some radio spots. Like everybody in the like, I've got like thirteen buyers in Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants me, including myself, right? I want the Phoenix leads myself, mm-hmm. but I am in the round robin like the rest of my customers because I have to be. Um, but I just, I need to find more lead sources for sure. Um, so yeah, YouTube is that your only source, but Mm -hmm. why, why have you found success in YouTube when others haven't? Well, sure. Um, I would say pain tolerance is probably the first answer to that, Mm -hmm. uh, with my partner when he started this, his agency way back. Like I remember him telling a story, he was working with Dan Henry. Um, and he was running his YouTube ads and, mm-hmm. and Kyle, my partner at the time, he didn't know what he was doing. He just know he wanted to try it and he was getting like hundred dollar opt-ins or mm-hmm. something like that. And luckily Dan's a good guy and him and Kyle became friends. Um, but you know, and Kyle started like figuring it out on, on Dan's time. Um, and he really came down with a really, really solid strategy for YouTube that mm-hmm. just worked really, really, really well. And then we grew that, um, agency, mm-hmm. you know, to what it is today. And then we, we took, you know, what we know of YouTube. And so that was our starting point. And we're just like, it's the same targeting and the same audience as Google PPC. Mm-hmm. So we could get what people were paying $250 to click for, for sub $200 yeah. leads. So then, uh, are you suggesting that your 
marketing. I don't know if it's not copy because it's video, but well, it's copy. Yeah. So is that your 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 differentiator? A part of it. Yeah, a large part of it is. Uh, so the copy is important, right? And like we were talking about before with the avatar and the messaging, mm -hmm. right? Like when we launch a client, we make them like three ads and 10 different hooks. So it's really 30 ads and we're testing all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah, sure. That's a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. But at this point, really what it is, is the 10,000 leads a month that we're generating, feeding all that data back to Google going, these are good leads and these aren't great leads. Mm -hmm. um, so so that Google it, can tell us. Exactly. We're using AI, right? right? Like everybody wants to talk about AI and chat GPT mm -hmm. and Elon's next robot or whatever. Do you know where AI started years ago with Meta and Google and YouTube with their uh, media buying platforms? That's what they use. So you and say AI. We, is it more machine learning or is it AI? Machine learning, I would argue, is AI. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So and, and so that's be, different. What's that? I, I look at it a little bit differently. Okay. So we'll talk about that in a second. Sure, absolutely. But yeah, so we we have the best trained bot, right? Mm -hmm. We have... we. We, because we spend more money than anybody else and we generate more leads than anybody else, yeah. we, we Google's trained. Like, so it's just to the point now where we can just turn on that and crank mm -hmm. it up. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Google knows yeah. this person wants to. So this is outside then. Are we still using, like they Googled sell my house fast or is that no longer a data point as part of who you're marketing to? It's still a part of, uh, well, it's a part of it. Like that's a data point we would give Google mm -hmm. to be like somebody who is using the keyword sell my house fast or sell my house for cash mm. or sell my house this month. Yeah. We want the people who are doing that in your Google, but when they come over to YouTube, let's get them. Mm -hmm. And and that's how we do it. Right, because that's more like, um, it's not retargeting, but it's some form of- You're Using an audience, right? We're, yeah. we're telling Google, people who have used these words, put them in a big bucket, mm -hmm. and once they get on YouTube, get in front of them. Right. And then and then that evolves, right? Then Google starts learning from other data points mm -hmm. what that's gonna do, and then we can do like what's called open targeting, but we're yeah. using the AI to really direct it. So it's not that it's not a part of our media buying strategy anymore. Mm -hmm. Of course it is. We have thousands of campaigns in our mm -hmm. accounts. Right. Um, so it's definitely a part of it, but then we, we lean on AI and that's why we can't really be beat. Like I can confidently say that. I love mm -hmm. anybody who can, cause I would have a lovely conversation with them about right. it. Um, we, we just, we can tell Google exactly what we want. And it says, okay, cause it has tens of thousands of data points to. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the biggest competitive advantage. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to learn more about Lead Zolo, mm. Where would they go? Go to leadzola.com, book a call with one of our guys. Um, honestly, we, we have a lot of clients. Our guys are really just going to talk to you and understand what counties you want in. Um, and and if, you know, if we can give you leads in that county, because at this point, you know, there's a, <laughs> there, there's a lot of, there's a big backlog for it. So yeah. I would suggest to, to go talk to somebody on my team. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, changing gears a little bit. Sure. Um, you've had the opportunity to work with Tony Robbins. I've had, with his team. With I will, his team. Yes. Talk to me about like what that's like. Sure. So very exciting. So because my business partner has a pretty big personal brand built around his company, ad, mm. like he was reached out to at one point. So nowadays when these big guys do these big virtual launches, what they do is they have their own teams that are running ads. But what mm. they'll do is they'll reach out to big influencers. So mm. like uh, Tony's going to go out to Grant, right? Mm. And say, hey, Grant, I'm doing this thing. Can you promote it to your list? Mm -hmm. Right? Hey, Russell Brunson. Uh, can you promote it to your list, right? Because they know they know that that's where their biggest bang for the buck is. Right. They can give them 50% of all revenue based uh, on that live event, and that's a hell of a lot cheaper than running their own ads because it's a guaranteed 2X with zero risk, right? Mm -hmm. So what they also do is reach out to like, it's not just Tony and Grant, they want more people. So they'll reach out to anybody who's established in the industry. So uh, Kyle got a Facebook message one day and just be like, hi, I'm so-and-so's assistant, uh, you know, Tony and Dean's team 
want to know, like, if you'll basically be an affiliate, like, run ads for them. We'll give you 50% of everything. Mm. Um, can you promote it with these people? Right. And so we did that for a few years. Like, every year we would do it. Mm-hmm. They had leaderboards and stuff. Uh, at one point, we leaderboard, uh, leaderboarded and did really well. We got to, you know, come down to Scottsdale, hang out at Dean's uh, mm-hmm. uh, mastermind.com or whatever it's called. And, and that, and so it was great. So we just kept getting invited for these things. And then yeah. that kind of spirals, right? Cause then it's like, you know, grants, grants there, right. And mm-hmm. watching the leaderboards and now grants going to do one. So he's like screenshotting the leaderboard. And next thing you know, Kyle's getting a DM from, Hey, I'm Grant Cardone's assistant. We mm-hmm. want you to run this for us. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of how that stuff yeah. works. So it's really exciting. It's really exciting to bring in a pile of leads and watch an event happen live and watch mm. Tony present. And like, it's a very different world when you're watching him present and pitch. And mm. like, you're like, man, like he's pitching for me right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that, it was surreal. It was surreal. Gotcha. Um, and then one thing I, I liked, you were talking about how uh, entrepreneurs, mm. right? Where they should start, their aspirations. Yeah. But not get overwhelmed. Yeah. By a huge goal. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about this because this is something that's really new to me. Um, I just did a little four day retreat myself, really looking at goals and, and where I want to be in life and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just really struck a chord and, and been something I've been talking about for a little while now. And I think it's, I think what we get fed a lot is this whole, you should have this big, hairy, audacious, audacious goal um, that scares you and like you should be looking up to it and like that's like vision board of your billion dollar company. And like, I just, I personally never bought into it because I was just like, I don't get it, right? Like I remember my partner at one point going, $100 million, like, well, you know, that's the goal, $100 million. And me going, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I'm paying for rent. <laughs> like how, like I just, like, I don't get it. Like it, it was very uninspiring for me. And I, and I found this to be true over some time. We have some teams and, you know, I, I like to work with our teams personally and on mm. a lot of stuff to keep them inspired and they need it and it's great. But like setting like, hey, media buyer making three grand a month, like you got to set a hundred million dollar goal and that's going to inspire you and pull you through bad times. I just don't think it's true. And mm-hmm. I think that it's important that, you know, we have these goals, but like always step back and go like, why? Right. Like. I want to be a Kardashian, right? Yeah. I get my sister-in-law loves to say this kind of stuff. And it's like, why? Well, I want a jet. Why? Where are you going to go? You don't like to travel and you don't yeah. even like being in the air. Last time you were in the air, you took three pills and were KO'd. Like, why do you want a jet? Like, I don't get it, right? And, and I think that that's true of all of us, right? Yeah. We, can, we can get really wrapped up in seeing Grant in his cars or Tony's $30 million house and be like, I want that. But at the end of the day, do you? Do you like... Do, do you know what's involved in running a hundred million dollar a year company or what it would take to get to a company to a hundred million dollar exit? Mm-hmm. Is that what you want to do? The, the, the old fisherman fable, right? Mm-hmm. There's the fisherman. He spends, you know, he spends all day. He wakes up in the morning, he goes out and he fishes and he catches a few fish enough to feed his family, sells a couple at the market, makes a few bucks, eats his dinner with his family. They have a few drinks, they laugh, they dance, they go to bed mm-hmm. and in the morning he does it again. And the, the businessman from New York comes down and goes, this is the best fish I've ever had. And like your ability to catch these fish is amazing. You know what we could do is we could build this fleet of, fleet, and you could train all these people and, you would, and we'd have all these different boats. And then what we could do is we'll sell it up to New York. And I know somebody who we could sell hundreds of millions of dollars of this a year and this, 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 and this. And he starts taking the fishermen on the journey. And at one point he just gets overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. He's just like, 
all these people and all these boats and all this stuff. And the and the the guy looks at him and goes, Well, we're gonna sell for a hundred million dollars. What are you gonna do when you have a hundred million dollars? You just need to think about that. And he goes, I'm gonna wake up in the morning, I'm gonna get my boat, mm-hmm. I'm gonna catch a couple of fish, I'm gonna go talk to them to my friends at the market, I'm gonna feed my family, and I'm gonna have a couple of drinks and dance. Mm-hmm. So why did you do everything in between if that's what you were already doing? And I think and I think that a lot of us miss that, right? right. Like, I want to spend time with my daughter. Mm-hmm. I work till three o'clock every day. I have a tremendous amount of time with my daughter, but I spend too much time thinking about this $100 million business mm-hmm. that I'm not present in those moments. And, and so it's not that I don't think people should have like, goals of $100 million. I do, but I certainly don't let it consume my daily life. And I right. know to break it down to milestones where I can really celebrate my success and my time and everything like that on the way there and not get wrapped up that I'm a disappointment if I don't get there. Mm-hmm. Just that it's a wonderful target, right? Yeah. Like, you know, shoot for the moon. If you miss, you might hit some stars. And like, that's just kind of how I think you should live your life. But I also think that it's really hard to be an entrepreneur. And if you're struggling and you're not making 10 grand a month, you shouldn't have a vision board for $100 million and that's all you look at. Yeah. I think what you need to do is break out the steps to your first 10 grand a month and just focus on that so you don't get overwhelmed. Right, And then once you reach that, make your $100,000 a month goal or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. but don't just like be stuck staring at it because you'll just be overwhelmed. And at the end of the day, you'll realize that you just want to wake up in the morning and get in your boat and go catch a fish. So that's interesting. I haven't heard that from that perspective. Right? I've heard it where like it could demoralize a team. Mm. Sure. So yeah, team. Oh, absolutely. I, I uh, partner and I have talked about this at length and being like, we're at 150K a month and like, you know, once we get to 500K a month, we're all going to Disney. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just like, how, like, I don't know how to triple your business. What? Right. What's your experience with that? Well, it's, that's exactly that. It's, uh, it's, you know, we've been at this level for years now. Yeah. And you keep promising this, like, when we get to the promised land deal. Yeah. And, you know, you need to be more realistic. Yeah. Right. So it's demoralizing if they're not seeing progress. There needs yes. to be progress towards that goal. And it has to be. Kind of like what you're saying, incremental. Yeah. Right. Uh, but then the other part you're talking about is sticking to your genius does not mean you have to sacrifice. Yeah. And I think that that's that's, a, that's I think that's a like a, a yin and yang there. Like I think that's the exact opposite mm. principle. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, so first, in terms of incremental, I just think people need to focus on their business like it's compounding interest. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you, if if you are a disciplined investor, not a trader. Let's mm-hmm. <laughs> draw that line. If you're in, do not look at your stock every day, right. right? Don't look at your stock every quarter. Like maybe look at it once a year, mm-hmm. right? And that's how you should look at your business in terms of growth. Because if you can consistently do 20% a year, you can turn 10 grand into a trillion like Warren Buffett did. That's it. That's right. all I got to do. Um, but yeah, so in terms of like building a business and sticking to your genius, I think that that's also a bit of a misnomer that people kind of get fed. And I think it, it builds into people getting discouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think what a lot of people imply is that like, you need to learn everything, right? So you're going to start a business. So you should learn how to talk to sellers, right? Let's learn sales. Well, yeah, I get in front of sellers, right? So let's, here's the marketing module. Let's go learn marketing, uh-huh. right? And then once you do talk to the seller, you need to dispo it. So here's your dispo module. And now you gotta, you gotta learn that. And now you gotta learn TC and now you gotta learn. And it's just like, the next thing you know, it's just bigger and bigger and you don't love it, right? You're not just getting your boat and going fishing anymore, uh-huh. right? You're, it's, it's become overwhelming. And not only that, you're not great at anything, right? Like you don't get to wake up in the morning and be inspired if you have to do the finance call. Like you got to meet with your CFO and then you got to meet with, in my case, right? You got to meet with your media buyers and you got to meet with your copy team. And I'm just spinning plates, right? And I don't love it. But I think the people who are truly, truly, truly successful in life 
what they do is they just focus on what it is they absolutely love, right? Like for you in sales, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just find people who are absolutely brilliant, the other things, right? And you just give them a piece, right? You find somebody who's absolutely brilliant in marketing, you give them a piece or you pay for the leads. Mm -hmm. You find somebody who's absolutely brilliant. If you don't, if Dispo is not your thing, you find somebody who's absolutely brilliant at Dispo and you yeah. just do sales. Eric Klein talks about this a lot, mm -hmm. but he doesn't talk about it. I guess shows it a lot. Demonstrates right? it a lot. Yeah. For like, sure. Like he screams sales all day long. And then when it's Dispo time, Tony Mott walks in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that that's what people get lost in is that like, yeah, you become rich and famous or whatever you want to call it by just being in love with something. And, mm -hmm. and like, look at everybody who's famous. They have, or not famous, but like super successful. They have, they'll have, it's, it's their team around them, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the president of the United States. He isn't, he's not making all these calls and everything. He just has a brilliant team around him. I think, I think that's a subjective statement. Well, okay, fair um, enough. I, I mean, in, in historically, <laughs> collaboratively. Uh, um, right. Agree to disagree. Uh, so how do you hire outside yeah, your area of competence? That's right? great. So like, I, I mean, you were talking perfectly, right? Like, I, mean, uh, I, I always describe the journey and if, if you get into this, right? Okay, so I want to be a wholesaler. What do I do? I watch a lot of YouTube, right? Yeah. Obviously, binging real estate disruptors. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like, okay, I, how do I find sellers? That's always the first question. I mean, A, is this business even real? Okay, now that I believe this business yeah. is real, how do I find a motivated seller? Great, I got him on the phone. Now what do I say? Yeah. Right? Okay, now I'm able to close them consistently, uh, but my paperwork's a mess, and I'm always putting out fires. All right, I got to get a transaction coordinator. I got to get an executive assistant and admin. Oh, I probably should have a CRM, right? And then this is going well. All right, I'm really good here. I can do all these things, but I am working 80 hours a week. I need to bring in salespeople. Mm-hmm. All right, so now I bring in salespeople. Now it's a different set of skills to manage salespeople, right? And then we haven't mentioned the finances yet. Yeah. There's a lot of things along the way. So how do you, A, identify your area of competence or genius? Yeah. And then B, how do you hire the rest? Sure. Great. Yeah. I think it's a and great probably question. an entire podcast episode, but you yeah. got 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, ident identifying your competence, I think, would be the hardest one. So I think I'll, I'll just talk to just generalities with that one. Mm -hmm. um, like, if you had to wake up and just work in one part of your business today and just knew that the rest of it was taken care of, what would you do today? Mm -hmm. What, in my case, I do a lot of calls, right? What calls do I look forward to taking in the day? Mm -hmm. And what work do I enjoy doing? And, mm -hmm. I, and I don't mean, you know, sitting on my couch and watching my favorite reality show, which right. is American politics. So in the same, so to the answer to the other side of it is, I just started a wholesaling company four mm -hmm. months ago. It was four months ago, I started one. Mm -hmm. I've never talked to a seller. I don't know what TC means. I just keep saying it. Um, Dispo, I don't know, something to do with investor lift. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know any of this stuff right. and I don't care to know any of this stuff, mm -hmm. but I will have a huge wholesaling company. I will have a hundred million dollar portfolio in the next five years. Mm -hmm. And so what did I do? I went, okay, what am I good at? Well, well, I, I could probably get leads. Mm -hmm. I know a guy, yeah. right. I'm going to bring my, my business partner in with this. Mm -hmm. He's like, I, I would just assume he has a PhD in data science. He, mm -hmm. he doesn't. He went to school for, mark, uh, for a business. But he's just the most brilliant person when it comes to like numbers and critical thinking. So I'm going to bring him in, right? Mm -hmm. Just seems like a natural fit. Okay, so what else do I need? I need somebody who's great at operations. Am I great at operations? Hate it. Nope. Let's find somebody. Mm -hmm. So I went to a friend and went, who do you know that's the best operator that you know? Mm -hmm. Name came in his mouth immediately. Done. Who is the best sales trainer mm -hmm. that you know. I don't want the best salesperson. Mm -hmm. I don't want a one-man show that's going to get burnt out. I want yeah. the best sales trainer that you know. And he mm -hmm. said, Steve Train will say no. So I'm like, fine, second best. Mm -hmm. So then I went, who is the best at Dispo? And we want to build, we want to buy and hold here. So it's not mm -hmm. just like, like 
wholesaling. I want somebody who can wholesale, but also can identify really, really great opportunities that we can just buy this mm-hmm. no-brainer. Potentially, they own like a management company in multiple states or something like that. Yeah. Done. So then we met and we all went on a call and I went, you get a piece and you get a piece and you get mm-hmm. a piece and I'll take the smallest piece and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Let's meet once a month and you guys can tell me how good, the, how big the company's grown. Right. And that's what we do. Now, the the immediate reaction is going to be like, well, we don't like, not everybody knows that kind of people and mm-hmm. I'm in maybe a different situation than mm-hmm. most. But if I was to start with no money out of nobody, I would go to an event or I would join a course. I would pick, I would pick what I think is going to be my genius because it can change. Mm-hmm. I would, I would start with sales. That's kind of integral. Mm-hmm. I would join a community like yours. Mm-hmm. And I would be asking every single question in the world. I would make sure that everybody knows my name, including you. I would be the most vocal person because I do that everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Every, I don't leave a room unless everybody knows my name. Right. And I would immediately just be like, I really like sales. Is anybody here good at Dispo? And I would ask that question every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day. Is anybody good at lead? Like, does anybody know like, like a, a good way to talk, to get in front of motivated sellers? Like anybody really crack the code on PPC? Love to talk to you. Love mm-hmm. to talk to you. Love to talk to you. And never assume that the company will be all mine. Always go in going, I'm going to be giving the piece of, pieces away of this company mm-hmm. because I want to find people who are great. Because you were talking before, what you're really looking for when you're hiring people and giving them the three-year contract are you're looking for entrepreneurs because they're the most driven. But mm-hmm. really what you need is an entrepreneur. Somebody who's willing, Absolutely. who doesn't have the biggest risk tolerance as you, mm-hmm. so they don't want to like necessarily start their own company, but they really want to come up with ideas and grow something. Mm-hmm. You want to find those, but treat them like entrepreneurs by giving them a piece. Right. They'll feel good because you're the ringleader. I'm the CEO, mm-hmm. right? They'll feel good. Oh, good. And goes, well, we get sued. He's going to deal with it, yeah. right? But I'm also giving you your piece going, hey, man, sky's the limit. You want to make $100 million with me? We then I guess we've got to grow this to $200 million, so we each get yeah. a piece or whatever it might be. But I would... Knowing what I know today, I would never start a business alone ever. Yeah. Because there's too much shit I don't like. And there's people that love it. So why? So you're giving out equity. Yeah. From the get-go. 100%. Interesting. Build, build a dream team. Build a dream board. That's what we did. How do you, let's say the Dispo guy doesn't carry his, his weight. Here's your, well, he didn't get, I would, I would analyze that very quickly mm-hmm. and go, okay, well, the company's made $200,000. You own 25%. Here's 50000 Mm-hmm. So you buy them out. Yeah, and so uh, there wouldn't be any sort of relinquishing or anything like that. It was there would be something, sure, mm-hmm. uh, but it'd be so menial, right? Yeah. Like it's not worth it. Uh, a festering headache mm-hmm. will co- cost more every day, right? So you would, you would bring people in fairly quickly. You vet them. Well, you make sure they're qualified. Sure, and I guess that that might be where I have a bit of an advantage, where I can talk to people who I know are the best of the best, right? right. Like I, 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 Mike Lima's on my board, mm-hmm. right? I know Mike Lima's good because I can see how many. Hundreds of millions of dollars of transactions yeah. he's done. Like, I, he's I done have a lot that of deals. benefit. Yes. Yeah. So I, I vetted very, very well. But right. yeah, it would be, it's the same concept of hiring and firing, right? Hire fast and fire faster. Like you just, you need to be able to look at that yes. and realize that the pain it'll cause me to have to do dispo myself for the next six years uh-huh. is a lot more pain than having a tough conversation right now and ending this relationship. I completely agree with you. It's not the logical part that I disagree Got with. It. Right? It's yeah. the... Ability to like don't hire friends. Yeah, oh, I gotta go do this. Yeah, I gotta go to Drew's office, or yeah. I gotta schedule a Zoom call with Drew on a Friday afternoon. It's like yeah. Drew, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not working. Welcome to business, <laughs> right? Well, I get that, right? Yeah. But for a lot of the people that are listening, our yeah. average uh, listener, I don't believe, has the experience yeah. to not just fire people. I'm sure they've got that experience, but to like sever. Uh, uh, 
an LLC or a corporation or whatever. Great point. Okay, great point. Yeah, I guess I guess I definitely ran over that. I'll give you my experience in that. Mm-hmm. We didn't incorporate our company until three months in. Like we, I think we were just doing it this month. Mm-hmm. Right, we've been doing it for four months. Gotcha. Right? And and yes, I, intentionally for that reason. Right? right, like it just wasn't in it or wasn't worth it or whatever. We can all just like walk away and there's no paperwork to deal with. It'll be a little different now that we're incorporated. But yeah, I would I would definitely. So back to the situation where I'm in your group and I'm. Who's the dispo guy? Mm-hmm. What, like, let's do a few deals together before yeah, we do oh, anything. Yeah. Let's date a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So right now, it's, uh, you got multiple companies. Mm. So where are all the different companies? Sure. So I own uh, Private Consulting, which I'm definitely getting out of. I don't have the time for anymore. Mm. We have Lead Zolo. Uh, I run AdLeg with my partner, uh, which is the YouTube ad mm. agency. We have a software company now because we couldn't find the software that we want. So we're like, we're like have a band-aided Frankenstein mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to run everything as smoothly as we are. So now we're creating this, the whole thing all in one package um, that will serve so many, so many industries and it'll, it'll just be beautiful. So I'm really, mm-hmm. really excited about the software company. And then we own the uh, wholesaling company mm-hmm. or the portfolio now. So there's a lot going on here. Yeah. But there's a thread between it all. It all has to do with marketing. Right. And my part in each company is very specific. Mm-hmm. So why are you doing all this? Yeah, because now I love it, right? Mm-hmm. Three years ago, I would never have done this because I would have been overwhelmed and whatnot. But now I love it. Like, um, Really, the biggest reason that we started our portfolio uh, and our wholesaling company was because I came really good friends with Elijah. Mm-hmm. And it was just like... <laughs> A, it's kind of high. It's kind of hard not to get high on your own supply. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're seeing all these people make all this money with our leads, mm-hmm. and we're just like, are we like, are we cutting ourselves short here? Mm-hmm. The other side is I, I want to own real estate, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm to the point in my life where I'm really focused on investments. So it's like, how do we do that? So and then the first thing was how do we have as minimal interaction that is possible? Mm-hmm. Kyle and I um involvement with our real estate company is one hour every 30 days like that's it we're mm-hmm. there's nothing more expected from us that was in the contract from day one and that's fine and everybody else is just so well compensated that it's fine right mm-hmm. so so that's just why we did the software was because we could not find a solution to what we needed it was to the point where um, luckily we knew we know a really talented developer mm-hmm. was eagerly trying to get out of his job and we were just like, can you build this? And he just kind of laughed and he goes, yeah, I've been building it for five years for my company. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can just build that for you. And we're just like, we need to do this because aside from us, it's just totally worth us just paying him. Mm-hmm. They're paying his salary and, and building it for us. But we're also in the marketing space. We also do, we also know a lot of people in this industry. And like very quickly within like three days, we have people lined up to beta test set. And we haven't mm-hmm. even started software yet, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's we, we just have buyers lined up. So why wouldn't we? And again, it's the exact same thing. The developer, we did not hire, which we could have, but we didn't. Instead, we formed an LLC. We gave him majority share mm-hmm. and went, our part is this. We will pay you X amount of money for six months to develop this. Mm-hmm. If it takes you longer, then it's on your dime. But we'll pay you. I'm just going to pay you X amount of money for this. Once that's developed, um, we will then, once it's, so you'll have six months to put it in our hands. We'll then pay you another X amount for another four months until we get you X amount of clients. Mm-hmm. So basically what I'm saying is, I'm putting it in some cash. But aside from that, I'm just saying, when it's done for me, I'm going to pay you this other cash. And all I have to do is get people on, get paying clients onto your software, and then you take it from there. Yeah. I already have a backlog for it. So why wouldn't I? Um, so you're a Canadian citizen? I am. 
do you get depreciation from real estate here? Uh, no, not really. Well, it would depreciate before it got to me. Got it. So why am I real estate here? Because I can. It's yeah. just simple, right? It's just, it's simple and it's there and it's zero involvement and zero cost, right? There's opportunity costs. Mm -hmm. well, well, I shouldn't say there's no cost. We are paying for our, we are paying for leads, solo leads. That mm -hmm. is our cost. Right. Um, what do I have to do? Nothing. Just make sure that the ROI is positive mm -hmm. every month. Like, yeah. like, to me, it's not that it's real estate and I'm passionate about getting into real estate. For me, it's just equity building every single day. Sure. And it's kind of cool to hear the stories, man. What you guys do just blows me away. Like the convert, like now I get to hear like sales floor conversations, like mm. just them telling us on our monthly call, right? Like, mm. ah, I talked to this person. There's this issue. It's hilarious. Well, you get to experience a lot of it listening to RJ's calls. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Uh, but going back to like, why are you doing everything you're doing? Yeah. What's so, the big overarching why? The big overall, uh, yeah, I want to build generational wealth for my family. Mm. I grew up, uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money. And so I got really fixated on cash and I need cash and I need mm -hmm. cash. And then, and then I had a daughter and then it was like, and, and then, then I started making some cash and like, you don't, you don't put $10 million in your bank account before you ask why, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's way less than that before you go, oh, I got cash figured out, but do I want my daughter to grow up in the same way I did mm -hmm. in terms of like, for me, it was just a, a lack of security all the time. And it's like, no, you know what I want to do? is if I had $10 million invested just in the stock market at a 10%, whatever, average return. And all I took was 5% of that, so $200,000 a year. I would have $200,000 a year plus 5% growth, so it would more than cover inflation mm. on average. Um, theoretically. Theoretically. And then when I die, my daughter gets $200,000 a year plus growing, uh, growing with inflation mm. and a big money pot. Like right. that, to me, that's just it, generational wealth. I can actually hand my children something mm -hmm. after I'm gone. And, you know, it, it's now like, I'm, I'm like my, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are, are, are big uh, government workers stuff. And they're mm -hmm. very proud of their pensions as they sh very much should be. But for me, the problem with the pensions is that it dies with you. It's selfish. And I'm not, I don't need anything. Mm -hmm. Like I'll drive a 2016 Subaru legacy until I die. I don't mm -hmm. care. I don't need a car, but I want my daughter to never have to worry about money and only ever chase her passions every single day of her life. That's it. I love that. What's your biggest struggle today? My biggest struggle today, uh, focus. That's why I've been talking about it so much is because it's certainly on the top of my head. I'm, I'm blessed to have a partner like I do who's, who really keeps me reined in. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it, it's just really being focused and really staying present. Um, I've had to, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time just really focusing on that and, mm -hmm. and, and just enjoying the, the gifts I have. Like I got to, Yesterday, I was breaking into my cold plunge with my axe. That's how cold it was in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then by yesterday afternoon, I was in a pool in Scottsdale. And like, man, like I could, I could not thought about that, right? Like mm -hmm. I could just let, oh, I've got to fly to Phoenix. I got this podcast. And I got to meet some people this. And I got more business stuff. And I'm going to miss four days with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Like I could be focused on that right now. But no, I'm also focused on like, like the most beautiful experience I just had today on this yeah. golf course. And it's a good time of year to be here. Yeah, it really is. It's yeah. not too hot. I'm surprised how cool it is. No, this weather is perfect right now. Yeah. How do you measure success? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll let you know when I'm there. Uh, no, security. So a sense of security, I think, would be success mm -hmm. for me. I don't know what that is, and I don't know um, materialistically what that means. I know that in the last 12 months, I feel significantly uh, more secure 
in my life. And that's really because I can just keep looking at my daughter and, mm -hmm. and know that she's just looked after. And, you know, heaven forbid I get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, uh, my wife and my daughter aren't moving back in with my, you know, with my in-laws or anything like that, that they're looked after and, and that I've made an impact. I have a legacy and that there's a reason for people to talk about me after I die. What's been your biggest regret? God, I just want to be cliche and say I have no regrets, but let me. I don't know. I think I think my biggest regret is probably not like taking a step back and um, kind of defocusing a little bit sooner in my life. Like maybe 40 years old soon. And like it's taken me this long to not chase money, to not like put a dollar amount on everything. Like mm -hmm. everything was a dollar for me. Um, and it's, it doesn't come with cash, right? Like I feel like even if I was broke, even as a butcher in the back of a, of a grocery store right now, I think that I would, it would, at this point in my life, I would come here and just be like, be more focused on like experiences mm -hmm. and such and not just be so concerned with that I need to be at a certain dollar amount or own certain things or have my name on a business is literally on a vision board for years of my life. Mm -hmm. And just be like, it's not important. Like that's all pompous and that's all ego. Um, and I just, I didn't care to hear the other side of it, right? I just like, I needed to fulfill ego. And once I felt fulfilled ego, I would, you know, be a great person then. Um, but you gotta let go of it first and then, yeah. you know. Yeah, let go of your ego first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? Hmm. I can say what I've gifted. I can say what I will now gift moving forward. I'll, I'll tell you both. So uh, what I have gifted the most in the past would be Robin Sharma's Lead Without a Title. Uh, Robin Sharma is one of my favorite leadership authors. What's the title? Uh, Lead Without a Title. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something um, a lot of people in management and stuff like that should read. It's very, very, very inspiring. Robin Sharma as a whole is incredibly inspiring. Gotcha. Um, I think I would, hmm, currently, I just read uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac, and I really like it. I just think that it just wouldn't suit everybody, mm -hmm. but I think uh, anybody in business should read it. Uh, Come on, Benjamin Franklin's book? Uh, it was Charlie Munger's, but yes, Benjamin Franklin has an almanac as well. Okay. Yes. So poor Charlie's. Yes, poor Charlie's. Is that the one that's got like 270 lessons in there or is that something? No, else? that's another one. This one is like 11 talks that he's given over the years. So um, it's like Harvard and stuff like that. So Charlie talking about all sorts of different things and his perspectives mm -hmm. on life. And it's, yeah. it's beautiful. Life and business. So Yeah, he's... Um... We lost a good one. Yeah, we did nine days before his hundredth birthday, man. Uh, super wise. Yeah, and uh, blunt, right? Like, yeah. and I think that's nice, right? There can be polished people again, right? There can be polished chauffeurs, mm -hmm. um, but then there can be other people that are just super wise and unforgiving in terms of like, I don't care if I brush you the wrong way. Well, but I think I, I don't know when he became that way. Maybe he's always that way, but we generally find like once you get past like seventy, seventy-five, yeah, you're, you just live your life on DGAF mode. Yeah, that's man. Um, what was the one that stuck out was, um, uh, you know, was it Robert Gordon Gecko on wall street? Uh, greed makes the world go round, mm -hmm. right? There's a famous clip from wall street and Charlie Munger's speech. I saw about a year or two ago was envy is what makes the world go mm. around, right? It's not that I want more is that I want what drew has Interesting. and I'm going to work harder so I can have what drew has not that I want more. I just want what other people have. That's what drives the world. I thought that was, don't think he's wrong. No, that, it sounds, it's pretty profound, actually. It's interesting. It's definitely something I want to think about for some time. Yeah, that's, I like that a lot, though, because you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, you, you can't want 
a private jet until you've seen somebody in a private jet and then yeah. created some association or meaning to that. Like you can't want a hundred million dollars unless you can conceptualize what it is. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I had lunch the other day. Uh, I was invited out and the guy said, yeah, you know, I have my own private table at Capitol Grill. It's like, I didn't know that was a thing. Go ahead and write that down on the vision board. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I didn't know I wanted that until I saw someone else have it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got to definitely check out that book. So um, guys, if you found this valuable, again, please subscribe. Rising Tide does lift all boats, right? The only way for us to help more people create more millionaires, live life on their terms, is to get in front of more people. And the only way to do that, uh, you're the YouTube guy. And you tell me if I'm wrong, they subscribe. Those are positive signals to the algorithm. Engagement makes the world go round. Absolutely. All right. So what are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Yeah, I just want everybody to know that like, being an entrepreneur should be fun and that like, you know, it's not just about me pitching Lee Dolo, but like, don't like if you want to be a wholesaler, fall in love with wholesaling, outsource your media buying. You don't need to go through the shit that we go through every single day. <laughs> go through your own stuff, right? If you want to dispo and you want to be go virtual, get investor lift. You don't need to go and try and find 4.5 million buyers, right? Like go find the people who are successful in what you want to do and either hire them or model them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people need to hear that a lot earlier in their entrepreneurial journeys. Yeah, definitely. I know I needed to. Mm. I try to be, try to figure it all out. Like I said, I built my own PPC campaigns. Yeah. Ran my, ran my own YouTube ads for a bit. Hilarious. So, uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to Just go to leadzolo.com. Um, you'll fill out, uh, you'll tell us a little bit about your business and you'll be able to jump on a call with somebody with my team. Everything's very personable. And uh, yeah, we, we just want to learn more about you and see how we can assist. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you guys next time. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.